Ladies and gentlemen, football is kind of almost maybe back, possibly something like that. I think so. I don't know. Rian, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this last week of news that's come out around just football related items. And it took me a solid like hour of reading to get through all of it. But I think I think football is coming back. I think you are correct. I think football. Well, actually, as we'll talk about later in this in this episode, um, there are a couple leagues that have still been going on um, through all of this. But football, not as we know it, is back. But something close to that is coming. It will be back uh, starting next Saturday in Germany. Well, I never thought I would see the day. I honestly, I say that in like all seriousness because we were talking several weeks ago about, you know, how football would be able to be phased back into our lives. Uh, fans aside, fans are really not in the picture for a very long time. But when are we even going to see the game being played again? And I honestly didn't think there was a situation where any of these leagues would be able to finish. But Elise was I, pretty I, pessimistic. Elise was pretty I was. pessimistic. I mean, in some I, ways, I was slightly. I, I was like, yeah, I was, I was a, I was pessimistic for England actually. More, I was pretty pessimistic for England. But well, Eng- England didn't really do, and uh, I mean, the Premier League as a whole still has not done a great job of communicating what they're doing. But that's a whole different thing that we'll get into at the tail end of this episode. But Rian, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe it. In some way, we're getting football back. But I mean, how do you feel? How how has this impacted your life? <laughs> what has your life been like without football? Oh, well, I mean, I guess without it, my weekends are very hollow. Morning, my weekend mornings are pretty hollow because I I used to get up pretty early and got used to getting up early for watching these games, um, which did not happen a lot in college or in any other time in my life, really getting up early on on uh, weekends and not feeling horrible about it. Um, so that's gone and that kind of sucks, but luckily starting next Saturday, the Bundesliga is coming back and they are going to try to finish their season. Um, it'll be back May 16th on a Saturday. And I am just, I'm just happy we're getting some form of, um, of live sports back more than anything. It's a live sports thing, but we're going to be getting Zero fans, as you'd expect, and so I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to see how how quickly um, it takes for us to get used to just no fans being there. Honestly, because um, I know we saw right before the, all these lockdowns started um, coming down across Europe, we saw some games that had zero fans there. We saw. Um, was it Juve and Inter play in front of zero fans? Um, and that a, was a game between the first and second team in, in the league. So that was super weird. But at the same time, I, thought, I think we saw two days later, um, Liverpool and Atletico playing in front of a full stadium. So that was that obviously probably wasn't the best decision. But I'm excited. Nevertheless, I'm excited that we're getting some sort of football back. And it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where it had to come from. 
it was one of the major leagues we were going to be watching. So, oh, 100%. I mean, it's not really that bad to have German football back. I'm not going to complain. Love Germany and, and love German football anyway. We follow the Bundesliga from time to time as we, as we can. So why don't we, yeah, why don't we start off there, Rian? I mean, what, what kind of transpired in Germany? Obviously, they're the first league to come back um, on May 15th is when the first round of games will resume. Uh, but but can, you, can you give me some context, kind of what led up to this? Yeah, sure. I mean, so ultimately the reason why Germany are able to come back so quickly is because they've just been able to handle the coronavirus much better than any of the other countries in Europe and just about all the countries in the Western hemisphere. So that definitely helped um, allowing them to come back when they can. Um, they've been able to test enough people um, and they've been able to also obtain enough tests where the league can come back and have enough tests for players and not have to feel like they're taking tests away from the general public. I think that's, Something that that's key. Literally yeah. every, I think every league and of, of every sport is is really wary of right now. So not just not just the um, the ones in Europe or even ones that's just pertaining to um, soccer. So that's kind of the big reason why they're actually able to come back. Um, and it's going to be interesting. The plan is to test two to three times a week on players. Um, we've already seen a few players uh, at Cologne who tested positive for it. But the thing is, they're going to just kind of keep going along. If players get sick, the it's just that those players are out for two weeks. They quarantine, they can't play. It's just, that's what they're going to be treating it as. And they're not going to get too afraid by players testing positive. So that, I think that's the big thing that came out of, um, of the last couple of weeks from what the uh, Bundesliga presidents was saying and, and just what we were hearing from, the German government in terms of how they were looking at you know, restarting sports again, restarting um, like recreational things like that again. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the gist of things in Germany. The, the interesting thing I think about their policy is the approach to sick players, right? Like, so I'll, I'll give you an example. I know we'll get to this, but in Spain, if, if you're basically found to be sick, um, you quarantine, I think it's for about 10 days, but there, I, there was a rumor about just a hotel room being booked out for players that are sick and you have to stay in that hotel room in order to, you know, not get your family sick, grandparents, whatever. Um, so it's a, it's a different approach where you can kind of quarantine where you, where you want. So you're, you're a little more free, but the ability to test again, and I don't want to turn this into a you know a health policy debate, but the ability to test in this case, right, and to know who has it and and who to avoid is is literally the reason why the league is able to come back because they have the capacity to do that to to pinpoint you know everyone's movements essentially. So, a, a massive props to Germany. Yeah, and. There are going to be a lot of eyes on the Bundesliga for the next at least, let's say, at least three weeks um, because they're going to be the first back. And and even provisionally, I know for England and Italy, it's beginning of June that they're looking at. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on the Bundesliga just to see how they handle it. And team, and um, other countries are going to be curious to see how they can also implement the same things. Or maybe they see that or maybe we find out that this is 
works horribly and and they have to shut it back down and then everyone else will know that yeah we probably start back either so um unfortunately um the Bundesliga players and staffs and um those around like match day programs are are kind of guinea pigs right now that's that's um, that's a real cynical way of looking at it but um I think if there was if there was any country that could do it right now that could that I think has a chance to at least be able to finish um a, a league a sports league if for the next six weeks six to seven weeks I think Germany probably has a decent chance in comparison to every other party involved well yeah logically that that makes sense right like assuming things go well of course that I I don't think they're consolidating the schedule, right? Like they're still playing it out on a one game per week basis, right? Well, the the plan is um, to have, I think, a couple midweek, um, a couple midweek games. They're going to have to have at least, a, I think, two to three midweek games um, if they're trying. They're trying to finish by the end of June, so I think they're going to have to throw in a couple uh, midweek games. Right. Oh man, if they're going to finish by the end of June, yeah. Well, they don't. I don't think they have as many games as the rest of some of the other European leagues, but it, right. it's still, yeah, as a nature yeah. of having, that's also an important point. The, in Germany, there are 18 teams. So each team is only has to get to 34 games. Like it's, it's a different, um, it's just a little different than they don't have as many games left as say England that has 92 games. remaining. Right. Right. So it's a completely different situation. Um, and it sounds as though the one other thing that I want to add is that the Bundesliga players are, really content with this. Like I, I haven't heard or read really much pushback from the German players about being able to go back to train and then going, going back to play. Whereas I've, I've seen that in other leagues. Right. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think I've only seen one. Um, and this was not until maybe a couple of days ago of, of uh, some player, I, a center back at union, at union Berlin, actually that, that voiced some reservations about coming back, but ultimately it, we haven't heard haven't heard a lot there, so that's that is a good sign, of course. Um, and you know, as I think we'll get onto in other leagues, you know, they weren't as lucky to be able to start to uh, restart the season and, and try to get to like the uh, more fair <laughs> um, way to declare champions and Champions League places and whatnot. Um, we saw Belgium, they. Completely ended their league. They stopped it. They stopped at the standings um, where they were at the end of March, um, and they just awarded the league to Club Bruges. And then wherever anyone was in their standings, those those are um, not changing at all. Just no no like nuance there at all. So that's kind of unlucky. Uh, and then you have what happened in Amsterdam where. They just didn't give uh, same thing. No champions. Uh, Ajax and PSV were tied with points. Or not? Sorry, not PSV. AZ Alkmaar tied with points, and we got no winner there. So um, those two teams are going to Champions League, and then same thing where everyone stand, where it was in the standings. That's how the final standings end. So it's it's pretty weird because because um, you know, we don't see any consistency across the board here, right? Well, yeah, that's the, that's the other thing, right? Like, I, I don't know if you can actually make it consistent across the board. Cause I think there, 
nuances to each and every league that depend on whether it's cultural, cultural, you know, aspects to the league, social aspects to the league, that there are these norms that kind of define how, uh, you know, a league governs their, their footballing body essentially. Right. So I, I don't know if you, if you're, you know, UEFA, for example, I know UEFA obviously doesn't make these decisions, but if you're saying, you know, let's say all the leagues, they say tomorrow should announce their winner. Right. I don't think that's going to go over well. I, I just don't oh, wow. think that that. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. No, I'm sorry. Not to not mean to interrupt you there. Sorry. Go on. No, go ahead. No, I mean, that. that's all I was saying. Yeah. No, you're right. You're completely correct because. Actually, what was I think about two or three weeks ago, UEFA put out their guidelines pretty much on how they would like the European leagues to end the season. Um, I believe they gave pretty much three options. Um, one was the one of them was you know um, if you're going to end your league, you have to award your Champions League spots with, by sporting merit from the 2019-2020 season, which leaves that kind of pretty ambiguous. Um, and then the other options were just if you were to finish your league, um, ideally they want to finish before August, and then they said they also pretty much said um finish your league however you would like is the gist of what they said so it's it's they've given kind of a guy that they've said they said you can just basically yeah i mean they're 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 never they're not gonna make any of the leagues do anything they don't want to pretty much is i guess how is how they worded it so but they've pretty much just said that you can do whatever you want just make sure that the Champions League spots and the Europa League spots are awarded by sporting merit. So whatever that actually means, which essentially means. could mean where they are in the table, you know, who makes the most money, like it, whatever it's, it's a stupid standard, but why don't we, I guess, focus on the one league that really kicked all of these, you know, halts and terminations of the leagues, um, and that was the Syria. So obviously Italy's situation has certainly gotten better. Um, it's in, it's improved significantly, but um, they're still on, you know, a phased lockdown to my understanding. So they're, they're getting better every day, but they have not restarted the league. Um, Rian, what are, what are Italy's plans to restart? Oh, they're, Planning to come back, like I said, around early June. I don't. They do not have an actual date set on it yet. They've started. Some players have started training. It's obviously it's all individual training right now, and that's pretty much how it is everywhere outside of Germany. But um, no, they're no they're no closer than than England right now, really. And and England is Wait. farther away than everyone, quite frankly. <laughs> there, I there they yeah. Realistically, yes, but in terms of, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna do everything they can to start the season. Um, same with Italy, and to start the season in the beginning of June, and, and then, you know, we obviously look at the one major league, one of the you know five major leagues. We have um, Italy, France, England, um, Spain, and Germany. France is the only one that has actually called the, their seasons like. It's called the season ended um, as they went to a points per game method to 
try to figure out um, those spots uh, in the yes. Champions League. So, you know, that, that ends with PSG still winning, obviously, and um, Marseille finishing second. And for them, the top four was luckily not set, but a little bit of an easier one to, um, to call because uh, PSG, Marseille, Rennes, and Lille um, were up ahead of fifth place. Uh, fifth place was about six points off. So it, it helps that that was a lot easier to figure out for, for France, but um, they're the only one of the five that, that cut it short. And I read a couple of days ago that, <laughs> believe it or not, um, Macron had called UEFA about trying to force everyone else to stop too. So, oh, really? Yes, yes. As if, like, we, if we have to suffer, everyone else has to suffer. Situation. Um, I pretty much. So again, like, I, it, it's super. It's. I mean, that itself is bizarre. That that sorry itself is bizarre. But um, yeah, it leaves France in a in a very weird spot now because you have PSG who are gonna who are still in the Champions League. As people, if people remember, they did end up knocking out. Um, Borussia Dortmund in the second leg in front of zero fans again. And then afterwards um, there was a massive like rally, like I think it was like 4,000 fans and the players and stuff were there too, which looked horrible in the moment and looks bad looking back on that. But, but, um, but they've actually um, made it through to the final eight um, and they're going to have no competitive games until August, which is when UEFA is planning on actually finishing the champions league and Europa league is, is in the month of August. So that's going to be weird. They're, they're, it's going to be very hard, I think, for them physically and mentally to to uh, try to finish out that campaign. I I really don't know how they're going to do it. Quite honestly, like there's no consistency in their schedule. Like there's no consistency. Quite, I mean, to be fair, in anyone's schedule at this point, but not playing regular football on at least a weekly basis takes out the rhythm. Like there's a, a huge definite difference right it's like coming back from injury like you need a not another week and to to get into the match fitness and to gain your rhythm back like it's it's a very much a real psychological aspect so i i don't know how that affects them in the champions league but i think there's a larger question to be asked around was this the right time for liga or as they will eventually call it the uber eats league um to cancel <laughs> at the time that they did right I think it's everyone's prerogative to, if they want to call off the season for public health reasons, et cetera. And I think one of the biggest public health reasons that um, they canceled in France was that exact rally that you're talking about, right? The, the rallies outside the stadium are no different essentially from gathering in the stadium. And I think that was a big concern for them in terms of, you know, what if that happens around the country? with various different teams coming back to start playing in a couple of weeks, months, whatever, that still doesn't solve the problem. So canceling it eliminates that factor entirely. That I think is, was the process in, in France. And I think that's probably the process in England as to why they haven't really made a decision on anything. Yeah. And it's it'll be interesting to see where we, where we are going forward, but I think, that Elliot. So we shall we move on to the to the leagues that we follow um, most closely here, and 
And would you like to let me know what's going on in Spain? I think I saw a picture of um, Lionel Messi with the mask on at training, which is kind of funny. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it was. It just looks weird. Like, it just, it just doesn't look normal. And you're like, that's that that's odd. You know what I mean? Every player was wearing it. So La Liga's approach um, and Spain as, as a country, um, in my opinion, has been one of the better responses throughout Europe in terms of managing this crisis. So about three weeks ago, the Spanish government, um, the, uh, excuse me, the, the Spanish government, La Liga, Javier Tebas, the president of the league, um, the RFP, um, so the, the Spanish Federation all came together and met for you know several hours to discuss all of this. Um, they had come up with some sort of semblance of a plan, um, but it really was not anywhere near a final product or what was actually necessary um, to, to be, a, be called a plan, if you will. Um, it was more just high-level talks and, in my opinion, kind of some sort of PR involved with that. But over the last two weeks or so, they were able to come together the three different bodies and put together what is essentially a three phase plan starting with my favorite part of this is it starts with phase zero um, (laughs) where phase zero is what you're talking about in those pictures. So every player in La Liga goes back to get tested uh, by their respective clubs. Um, I believe that club staff also get tested as well. Um, If anyone is found to be positive, then they're uh, placed into quarantine uh, for 10 to 14 days. Um, and if they're not, um, tested positive, they test negative, then they're able to resume individual training and individual, individual training is the second step, um, in that phase approach. So it goes from individual training for two weeks, um, for, for players that did not test positive. And after those two weeks is when training in groups becomes allowed. So in about, I guess, 14 to 17 days, you'll start seeing um, players training in groups of about, uh, let's say, six or so. I think six is the the max, uh, which you can train with. And after you can train with your your six or so people, um, after a couple more weeks is when you can train with 14 people in one group. Um, and that's when things will start to get back to normal. And La Liga are targeting a June, second week of June uh, start date again. For uh, for the for the La Liga season with games being played um, every couple of days, and of course everyone will get five subs as was announced today. Um, every team will have three chances to make substitutions uh, with up to five substitutions. So Spain, I think, are, are doing a good job of managing everything. Um, it's obviously not a perfect situation, but they've been very very communicative. La Liga, especially. Um, in terms of, you know, what's been going on, in my opinion, in comparison to the other teams or the other leagues. No, I, I absolutely agree because at least what you just gave was an actual plan. And, <laughs> you know, not everyone is a plan guy, right? Like the Joker didn't have plans. Commissioner Gordon has his plans. Batman has plans. But England has no plan. <laughs> not their thing. Um, their plan is money, is getting the money back. And that's where they have come up with Project Restart. Yes, that is literally the is that name. What you're, is that, that what is, you're calling or is that the no, actual that name? That is the actual name. Look it up. 
Project Restart is what they're calling it. Oh, um, no. Yes, yes, yeah. So, last Friday, um, May 1st, if you're, who knows when you'll be listening to this, um, but last Friday, <laughs> all 20 of the Premier League clubs held a three-and-a-half-hour call together, a Skype call, um, although apparently no video was shown, was, was used by anyone. Uh, but <laughs> they showed a presentation. Um, the gist of the meeting, like all, all 20 clubs are still committed to play the season. Like, obviously, they want the money. And if the season isn't played to conclusion, the Premier League clubs ha- might have to repay $762 million to broadcasters. Um, I think that's each. What? <laughs> not sorry, not each. I, I hope it's not each. It didn't specify. I really <laughs> no way. Yeah, it can't be each. But, um, but pretty much that made Friday that last Friday's um, Skype call. It wasn't really like a debate of whether they should come back. It was pretty much more of like how they restart. Right? And the central theme of that call was playing games at neutral venues. And a main part of project of project restart. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying. Um, oh my god! Eight to ten neutral venues is the plan. Is is the proposal? This is a proposal. Again, this has not been consulted with the PFA, which is the players' union, or the LMA, which is the league managers' union. They have not been consulted on this yet. So you know, just I mean, not that it's important that that. They know what's going on, but, um, <laughs> but you're you know, such a dick. <laughs> eight to 10 neutral venues is, is the proposal right now. Um, with the, this, this is a lot of this information is coming from an article on the athletic that explains a lot of just what project restart is. Um, I know Elliot's you're enjoying that name a lot. So, right. I hate so, it so much. <laughs> um, but no, included in the report was he even suggested that the big six, apparently the big six clubs were pretty quiet on the call. And there's a suggestion that they might be having their own separate discussion. So a, a separate group chat, uh, if you must, um, from, <laughs> from to put it into layman's re- terms. Yeah. Yeah. From the project restart group chat, they have, they got just like a smaller one by themselves. Um, and you know, you might be asking yourself, um, is any of this mm, legal um, in terms of the rules of the of um, the Premier League, right? And the answer is um, money. So it's totally <laughs> unclear whether this this plan will need a vote of, of approval, which if it did, it would need 14 of the 20 clubs to approve. But there's... It's totally unclear whether that whether um, a vote of approval is necessary here. Um, naturally, some of the players are pretty angry and scared, and uh, including Sergio Aguero, who has said he's he's kind of afraid to go back to play, to go back to train, and all that stuff. Um, so they, they're going to need to talk with the players at some point. Um, but all in all, most important things here: proposed return to training was, is May 18th. So. That that is the hope is that they get back to training um, in ten days from now and a proposed return to matches on June twelfth, which who knows? Um, um, I, there's no way they'll finish the season by June thirtieth, but I guess we'll see. They have no idea when they're going to finish it. This again, absolute shitstorm. There's no, there's been no real um, details 
more than this is how we might do it, but we don't even know how we're going to be staggering training and stuff. Like we were talking about with Spain, like they haven't even, that hasn't even been really uh, thrown out and, and no one's even sent out a report or leaked anything about what that could be. So the last thing, there's nothing going on. Exactly. And the last thing that you might be thinking about is, wow, well, how are they going to test people? <laughs> um, and how many tests do they need? They need 40,000 estimate, <laughs> 40,000 testing kits, uh, which they are planning to source from, from a Dutch supplier. And, and there's planning, which is supposedly going to cost 4 million pounds. So there really is. There's okay. There's a Brexit joke somewhere in this, but I just, I, I, can't, <laughs> I don't know how to spin that, but continue. And, and the plan is to test at least two times a week. And, you know, you might also be thinking, well, there wasn't a lot of, of information there about the medical side of this. Is any of this safe? Um, and you would be pretty uh, fair to ask that because just a couple days after this article was put out, um, the Premier League club medics sent a 100-point uh, guide about asking basically what's what's going to happen when we come back like really what's going to happen because they were very concerned still because they are not really comfortable with coming back and treating players and being in an environment where the risk factor includes death is was was pretty much <laughs> fair the, that was pretty much like the overarching theme was that they were they do not want to come back to a situation where the possibility is that a player dies. <laughs> so, or, or not even just a player. One thing I hadn't even thought about, I hadn't even thought about with all of these leagues coming back potentially is that the managers, like how many of them are over 50 are over 60 that are going to be coming back in and having to interact with players and um, be at these grounds. And like, that's just something across every league that's going to be, that I think has to be considered, but um, that's a major, that's a major problem. I think, I think the manager thing or the, the older staff and like all that stuff, like that's something that I think is not being talked about enough. I a hundred percent agree. Like these, I think there's this like notion that I think a lot of these, both kind of players and managers and people in sports are very much sensationalized. But when you think about it, right, like they're the people that we're surrounded by. They're everyday people walking down the street. They're our parents. They're our brothers, sisters, et cetera. Like you can't you can't expect them to be held to a completely different humane standard to go back to to what they're doing. Like I get what they're doing provides a value and provides entertainment at a time where we all need it. But you can't you can't ask them to do the complete, you know, you can't ask them to take this risk that no one else is willing to take. It's just, it's not fair. It's completely not fair. No, it's, it's going to be tough on everyone because you, you know, the, the way that they're trying to mitigate all of that is by possibly having these players stay in isolation. Um, for a certain amount of time. And that's going to be extremely difficult without their families and stuff. And I mean, it's not just a 
primarily problem is something that back here, like here in the U.S., like the uh, Major League Baseball and especially like in basketball, they're trying to finish. They're trying to like do the playoffs, but they are going to need people to be probably isolated away from family or or be in this locate in one location for like two months or something like that. Um, and that's the part here is the people who are like a step, two steps um, or two degrees of separation from the players themselves who can get sick too. And that's, and that's where we're just kind of hoping that we have enough tests and we're able to, I don't know, we're able to, to deal with you know, the amount of, um, Affections that could happen between players, you know, that's that's the thing between players, between staff, between family members. Like I don't know, it's it's everything is still super up in the air in terms of how we how we think it'll actually go because it's hard to tell with no vaccine or very good treatment right now. So it's all just crossing your fingers right now. Hundred, I mean, like that. That's all you can do. So I think without a set plan without the approval of the medical staff of each respective club um, of the, the government in a way, right. Then you're setting yourself up for failure. You're doing the opposite of what every other European club is doing essentially and taking the, the steps and ensuring the steps to safety. Um, the one thing I think is so funny is that the Premier league is trying to follow what the government is doing, the English government specifically. And that's just not, I mean, like I get following government guidelines, but you can't use that as a crutch to figuring out your own plan. Like you can do it in tandem, but don't use it as a crutch to say, well, because they haven't figured it out, we haven't figured it out. Right. That's not, that's not a viable solution. So we'll see how the, how the Premier League get back to, um, get back to normal. I, a part of me really does doubt that they're going to start training again on May 18th. Like if without a proper plan in place, how do you do yeah. that? You know? I mean, yeah, that I I can't. I don't I don't know how they'll do it either. Honestly, um, I think you and I have both like kind of read some reports over the last couple of days about um, that the plan is that some of the stuff will be um, some of the lockdown protocols will be eased by uh, Boris by old Boris Johnson. Um, so who knows? I mean, it's it, it's gonna be just a hope and see. That's all it is right now. Um, and you're right, the Premier League following their government most times. Yes, yep. We're absolutely. I think the league should, <laughs> in general, it followed what the government says. Um, it's right. just not. Uh, I guess not. Not all. Um, not everyone's. Like really eating from the same um, kind of government basket there, though. <laughs> like they're not getting the yeah. same resources and, and the same kind of knowledge as um, as other countries. So I don't know. That, that's all they can do is, is uh, um, wait to hear from what the government says. Though they can't just go ahead without them. So. No, I fully agree. I mean, it, it, yeah, yeah. I, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, <sighs> Are there any other leagues that we missed? Because I think we covered all the the major ones. Yeah, I think I think um, we will be we have one more segment here where we'll be having um, one of my friends, one of my friends from college who has been following the Belarusian league um, 
because as many probably don't know, and why the hell would you, um, <laughs> the, the Belarusian League started starts their season in spring, in the spring, and goes through the summer and into the fall, and they started... Why wouldn't they? Yeah, why wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> and they have um, kind of gone off without a hitch. They apparently don't have fans. I believe they still don't have fans, but um, with that, I will... Throw it off to our uh, interview with our my friend uh, Andrew. All right, we are back as we promised, uh, talking a little bit about well, not really the top five European leagues. But another league in and around that same relative area. Not really, but you know what I mean. Um, we're talking about the Belarusian League the, with our friend Andrew who's joined us on the podcast. So, Andrew, thanks for joining us. Um, when Rian, I mean, texted me earlier in the day, I was kind of telling you before we started recording. Um, I honestly thought he was joking when he said someone was actually watching the league. But honestly, or at least even keeping up with it. But honestly, if if you are, that's the only sport that's going on. So, I have mad respect for it, but yeah. How's it going? Uh, it's good. It's, um, you know, it, it's funny cause it is like the only show in town right now. Um, obviously I'm dying for some sports, you know, I'll, I'll take literally anything. So having the, uh, the Belarusian league as something to kind of, uh, follow, especially during those early days of the, uh, of the quarantine was, was nice. <clears throat> Still kept up with it a little bit now. Um, and definitely happy to happy to talk to you guys and and share some uh, share some knowledge. I think here. Yeah. So yeah. why don't you why don't you tell us about that knowledge, Rian? Yeah, I'm, 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 right. I'm I'm so excited for this because because I have not followed anything at all. I know. Give me a little bit like when when did they start? Like like what was are they normally on schedule? Fans? No fans? What's yeah. the what's the lowdown? Sure. So so let's let's back up a little bit and talk a little bit about Belarus. Um, I think it's important to kind of understand the, the country first. Um, so it's a former Soviet state back in, in Eastern Europe. Um, they declared independence in 1991. Um, the current president is Alexander Lushenko. Um, he's been in power since 1994. Um, I know this isn't a political podcast, but it's safe to say that, you know, the Belarusian system isn't, isn't exactly democratic. Um, you know, it's often referred to as dictatorship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the capital, the capital of Belarus is is Minsk. Um, so the population there is about 2 million. So it's a little bit bigger than Vienna and a little smaller than Paris. Um, it's actually the 72nd largest economy in the world by GDP, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, and the, the main exports are, and I quote here, uh, metal cutting machine tools, tractors, trucks, earth movers, and fertilizer. So it's a real, real, uh, you know, ham and eggs economy. So basically, wow. basically the French league. Yeah. Yeah. Farms, exactly. farmland, farmland, of course. Are we, in, it's like medieval, yeah. of course. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the league was founded in 1992. Um, so this was just a year after independence. Um, and I should say before delving into the, any of this really deeply, um, I'm going to brutally mispronounce a lot of stuff here, names, cities, everything. So um, it was originally called the Via Shievia League. Um, 
I don't, I, I don't have a translation for that, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and, it, and it, and it started off with literally just uh, Dynamo Minsk, which is um, one of the kind of stalwarts of the of the league so far. Um, so it started off with Dynamo Minsk, and they were in uh, they were the sole Belarusian team in the Soviet top league uh, before the kind of fall of the of the Soviet uh, Empire. Um, and then they filled out the rest of the league with five teams from kind of the scraps of the lower Soviet leagues. Uh, and then 10 teams from the kind of old Belarusian league. So it was kind of like a hodgepodge uh, start. And since the league's really fluctuated in size, so it's bounced around between 16 teams, 14 teams, 12 teams, back up to 14, back up to 16, back down to 14. Uh, it's kind of been all over the place. Uh, but we have 16 teams now in, in 2020. Uh, again, as you guys said before, it's kind of the only um, – only sports league that's really playing right now in 2020, obviously with the, the pandemic um, they're playing with, without spectators, which I guess is the, uh, is the trade-off. Um, I have no insight on their, on their testing or kind of any of the, any of the day to day. I wouldn't imagine it's uh, it's too advanced though. So um, that's sort of the state of, of today, but uh, I thought some other, some other kind of interesting, interesting little tidbits here. Uh, I don't really understand how the relegation system works. Um, to be honest, the Wikipedia article looks like it was translated from Belarusian. So it's like in really botched English on it. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't, I literally couldn't understand what it meant. There's something like top two, uh, top two up in the kind of like whatever the championship tier is and then the bottom two down, but there's like a weird playoff with the third team, um, so I don't, I don't really know how that exactly works. <laughs> uh, I, believe, I, believe, I think it's, I think it's the bottom. So the bottom team probably goes out and then second bottom probably has a playoff with the team. That's like third bottom. Maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know how. But I, but your I your guess is on, your <laughs> guess is honestly probably as good as mine. Um, so, so, so those have, what's, what's the league looking at now? Like right now, who, who are the, who are the major players with the major storylines? Yeah, so so this year the kind of the kind of um, storyline is like a, a little bit of an upending. Um, we've got two teams from last year that were towards the bottom of the table: um, SC Slutsk and Energetic BGU. Um, so they were they're eleventh and twelfth. Yeah, oh, the the names in this league are are amazing. Um, so do we want to delve dive right into the uh, into into some previews? Please, by all means. Sure. Yeah. So we've got uh, we've got FC Slutsk. Uh, they're currently at the top of the table with 16 points. Um, they're headed by Vitaly Pavlov. Uh, don't know much about him. Uh, they're great on the road. Three games, three wins. Um, they're actually leading the league right now in goals scored, but their defense is, is pretty terrible. Um, they've only had a shutout uh, in one game so far of the eight that they've played. Uh, they actually had a big matchup today against uh, Energetic BGU, who I noted before, they're the, they're the second team uh, in the table. And they lost 2-1. Uh, so it's kind of a little back and forth here as to whether you know FC Slutsk is, is legit or not. 
Um, their, their season my, just started too, right? So, so this is coming right out of the gates with all this. Yeah, they've only played um, eight games. So this weekend is is the is the eighth 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 weekend of games. Um, yeah, so Slutsk is like a bit of a surprise. Obviously, eleventh last year, uh, and they actually haven't finished higher than eighth uh, since joining the Premier League. Um, they were a third league team um, in like as late as twenty ten. So I thought it might be interesting to do some some NFL comps here. For, for some of your listeners who, who might not be more of course. soccer inclined. I love it. Yes. So, 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 so I consider FC slots like, like kind of like the Browns. Um, you know, they, they seem like they could have the, the pieces, but you know, it never really pans out. They're, they're a bit of a, bit of a mystery. Um, obviously top of the table right now though. So, so we'll see. Interesting. So, so I'm expecting them to, to somehow like fall on their face. Like, spectacularly at some point in the middle of the season. Yeah. yeah I, I think there's going to be like a five or six game skid here. Uh, that's imminent, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, so, so energetic BGU is the, uh, is the second team in the tables right now. They're headed by uh, Vladimir Belyavisky. Again, uh, you know, absolute legend in the game. Um, they're a little hot and cold team. They'll go on. I mean, they're streaky as it gets. Uh, they had three losses in a row, kind of sandwiching uh, the middle of uh, the games they've played so far. Uh, they went without scoring a goal, but they, you know, just had a big win today against Slutsk. Um, and just need to keep the momentum going forward and can, could easily make a run. Um, you know, and, and they're another team that kind of came out of the lower league. So they were in the third league as late as 2013. And the second league is latest twenty eighteen. All right. So, if so and Janetta, as as I call you so fondly, um, <laughs> who are players to watch? If you have if you have a couple of players to give us from here that you think has a chance to go and play at your your uh, Manchester United, your your uh, Chelsea's, your Barcelona's, who who do you think? Who do you think? A couple of players that you think could make that jump right now? I'm not gonna lie. the uh, The players are, are rather unremarkable. Um, these are a bunch of guys that have been overlooked by you know your big European clubs. Um, they don't have much to show for it. The Western European bias. Uh, I, I, <laughs> exactly. I will say though, there's this there's this one guy. He's leading the leading the league in scoring right now, uh, and this is a name that I you know. It's an all-time name, uh, Jasserbeck Yakushobev. Uh, he's the leading scorer right now. He plays for Energetic BGU. Yeah, he's a 22-year-old uh, out of Uzbekistan. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what he does. Uh, plays for the Uzbek national team as well. I don't know what he has to show for it, but uh, yeah, you know that's probably the only that's probably the only name in here that that, you know, is, is worth, uh, is worth repeating. Wow. Well, all right. One last thing before we let you go. What's the prediction? Who, who's finishing top right now, right now, if you had to use your crystal ball, what do you, who's got you the potential? To you had to bet, actually bet. Yeah. Big money. What money are you actually putting on and who do you think, uh, who do you think actually finishes top at the end of the season? 
So, uh, so the, the kind of the favorite and, and even the favorite for a long time, um, we've got, and this, I'm going to, again, butcher their name here. It's called B-A-T-E Borisov. So that's, that actually stands oh, yes. for Boris, Borisov Automobile and Tractor Electronics um, is what the B-A-T-E stands for. And they actually won 13 championships in a row from 2006 to 2018. So they're like, they're, they're, they're the Pats if we're making a. Right. A, uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> The analogy I have to make. Uh, yeah. Do um, they do they have an owner who also um, likes to frequent some special massage parlors? Yes or no? I you know I don't know how the ownership structure works, but <laughs> <laughs> so they're actually interesting. Interesting here, they're, they're actually the only Belarusian team that's qualified for the group stage of the Champions League, and they've done that four times. Yeah, they they are they are a frequent. I feel like I see them in it uh, at least every other year. I don't know about you two, Alex. I feel like that's a name that I that's the only name I actually recognize. Bate like Borisov. That's the one I recognize. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I, beyond that, I'm lost. I'm lost, of course. But but yeah, um, they be they be my pick this year. So they so they actually lost in the championship last year to this team Dynamo Brest, um, which seems like a real flash in the pan sort of situation. Um, but, but Bate is like, they're, they're an absolute wagon of a team. Um, they're currently on a five game bender and they're just playing angry. So, uh, you know, I, I, they're my, they're my kind of horse and they're sitting, they're sitting at the, they're sitting at the four spot on the tables. They had an ugly start to the season, uh, dropped their first two, but I mean, they're, they're, they're finding their groove right now. Well, there you heard Ellis. When you're putting your next bets on, you have to go Bate Borisov for the re- for Belarusian league. I think that might be like a decent bet just going forward for every year for Belarus. But yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I would bet on the Pats most years before you know pretty much last year. So yeah, I'm with that. Well, uh, thank you for coming on, Janetta. Um, thank you for giving us this this primer on the on Belarusian league, and it'll probably still be the one of the very few going on during the summer. So. Up some more, some more degenerate uh, betting fans. Yeah, boys, happy to happy to hop on and, and talk Belarus. Yeah, appreciate the time, and, uh, and I'm sure our viewers will certainly appreciate any semblance of football at this point. So, appreciate it, man. Have a good one, and uh, and keep up with the uh, the Belarusian league, and let us know how it goes. Will do. Thanks, guys.